Welcome to the Raiders Training Camp Podcast, presented by Pizza Hut. Live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, here are your hosts, Jesse Merrick and Eddie Pascal. Well, Raider Nation, we have done it. We have come to the end of our journey, the journey that is the Raiders Training Camp Podcast. Eddie Pascal here with Jesse Merrick on the third floor balcony of the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And Jesse, I, I feel a sense of loss coming up. We've come to the end of this beautiful, beautiful journey. Yeah, we have, man. I was telling Ray, like, when we were walking in, I feel like I'm getting cut today. Like, <laughs> you know, final episode, I'm here on cut day. It was real eerie. But hey, I've had a great time, and maybe we'll keep it going with some other stuff throughout the year. Well, for better or for worse, you know we will be using, yeah. you will be utilizing your services probably too much. We'd be like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Please leave me alone. I have a real job. Yeah. But all the same, we talked last night. We watched the game, the final preseason game for your silver and black. 34-10 loss to the San Francisco 49ers. Essentially, who cares about the score? But we look now, we shift our focus to what is one of the more interesting days on the NFL calendar. Roster Reduction Day comes tomorrow. We're recording this on a Monday morning. But tomorrow is the day where you get your first look at what your Raiders are going to be in 2021. So now it's a numbers game, right? It's time to do some math. It's not the sexiest thing, but it's time to do a little bit of math to see what this is going to look like week one when Lamar Jackson and and company get to town. It is. And I was doing the exercise this morning of going through and you're kind of piecing the roster together. You're like, can I subtract from here? Can I add there? Can I do this? And then if you do that, what's the money? You know, who's going to miss out? You know, how much money are you eating on this one? You know, do they really value this guy? Do they think he'll make it through waivers? Like this whole game that I'm playing, obviously Gruden and uh, Mayock are doing it for real. And I can only imagine the conversations that are going on and, and, you know, jumping on the table for a guy when you're like, no, we need this guy. I want him. But I'll be completely honest. Like, and then people may think it's kind of boring when we start going through it. Like, I don't think there's a ton of surprises on this roster this year. There's always going to be some. I've been wrong many times before. I wouldn't be shocked if I am again this time on some of them. But I don't see like a ton of like, wow, I didn't see that coming. I think the one thing for me that we'll find out over the next call 24 hours Mm -hmm. that'll change a little bit is kind of how we do injury designations for the guys. Because that's the point where you're like, okay, so now now you have a roster roster spot in this position group. We'll obviously get a little clarity on Javen White and Nick Morrow and their statuses over the next 24, 36 hours. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that it's a good place to be in for the Raiders in 2021 where there's going to be a surprise cut here. There's going to be a surprise cut there. You're going to be like, oh man, I can't believe player X rose up and earned a spot on the 53. But by and large, I don't think we are going to sit here tomorrow afternoon and be like, huh, this really is a shocking turn of events for the Raiders. Yeah, if we have anything that does that, like I'm going to be blown away. I'm going to be like, what the heck did I just watch for the last yeah. three and a half, four weeks? You know, it, it seems, you know, maybe to us it seems obvious. Maybe to people on the outside that haven't been here at practice every day, maybe it won't. But yeah, I, as I go through, I just had a hard time being like, oh yeah, this is going to be the shocking move that I'm going to make, and I think Gruden and them are going to do too. Like, there's just too many things that make too much sense to have the roster shape up the way that I believe it will. Let's start here with the wide receivers. We were talking about this before we started rolling. John Brown yesterday. John Brown essentially plays about 50% of the offensive snaps yesterday. Uh, There's people on Twitter that are like, hey, why is he playing so much? Is this an indication that he's not going to be here come Tuesday, end of day? And I don't know if I see it like that. Mm-hmm. I think that you bring John Brown in one of the one of your free agency signings, gosh, in March, April, whatever it was, and you bring him in for a reason. Now, did he produce and do a ton of stuff in the preseason? Absolutely not. But I don't think that's the expectation. But I think to me, sitting here, as I said, on a Monday morning, you find a way to keep him on this 53. You just do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and also, too, you've got some money that motivates you to do that. He's got a $3.2 million dead cap hit. You know, I, I was quick to be one of those people that raised the question when I saw him out there. 
And Raider Nation, props to you guys, were quick to point out that I'm an idiot, that he's got that dead cap hit. And so I was like, hey, mea culpa, you guys are right. And then I go back and listen to Gruden talk about him at times. You know, he says he's a guy that's learning all three wide receiver positions. He's a guy that's been there, done that, not too far removed from a thousand yard receive, you know, receiving season. They call him smoke for a reason because the dude brings the smoke. He's fast as heck. You know, he brings a lot to the table. We just didn't see a ton of it this year, you know, in the preseason. And again, like you said, that's fine. Like, we also didn't see a ton out of, you know, Renfro or any of those guys in the preseason because there's a reason for that. So I think it's pretty cut and dry. And he's one of those dudes that's going to be a depth guy for the most part. And that's a great depth piece to have in this receiving core. I mean, not too many John Browns are walking around mm-hmm. as your, what, uh, one, two, three, four, fifth, fourth, fifth receiver. That's pretty dang good. And a guy who can help out on special teams in a pinch, too, right? Yeah. Especially when you get to the lower positions on that depth chart, especially with your skill position, guys. You need those to be dudes who can contribute on special teams, and John Brown can do just that. Yeah. Uh, I know we talked about there's not going to be a ton of surprises when we, when we get to tomorrow afternoon, but is there anything that when you went through the exercise of putting together the 53 that... Well, let me ask you this. What's the position group that was the hardest for you to put together? I think for me, the hardest was uh, in the DB room. You know, and I only say that just because of like the three guys that I'm looking at. And there's some injuries that you're going to be involved in here. But Isaiah Johnson, Nevin Lawson, and Keyshawn Nixon. Nixon, okay, let's wait and see what happens injury-wise with him. You know, but between Isaiah and Nevin Lawson. And, and this is something that I think is going to take some time to really show what it's going to look like. Obviously, Nevin's done for the first two games of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think Isaiah Johnson makes the team. But from there... Okay, I think they bring Nevin back and Isaiah Johnson gets waived, and then we wait and see what happens from there. Because if, if memory serves, and I'll have to confirm with our PRs, our Will Kids, but guys on the suspended list don't count towards the 53 tomorrow afternoon, if yeah. I remember correctly. I believe you're right. So, like you said, the, the curious case of Nevin Lawson is one that will play out over, especially week three. Keep an eye on that one if he ends up making the initial 53. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that we look at the defensive back group now compared to a year ago, and the fact that we do have some tough, like, Oh, what do you do here? What do you do there? Is a good sign for this defense in general. Heck yeah. I mean, you got so much invested in the DB room, like you would hope that that's a good thing. You've got some tough questions to ask yourself. And and also, too, I mean, some other guys like Teamer and uh, Levitt, you know, two guys that, mm-hmm. like, I know fans feel a certain way about Levitt, but, like, he's a guy that has come in and, and done great on special teams. Yeah. He's a guy that I pointed it out on Twitter, and I'm not going to lie, I kind of did it to get a rise out of people, and it worked, but I was like, hey, you know, Evan Lawson coming through with a couple tackles is the last line of defense. And, of course, we got all the people kind of hating on him. And I got what I wanted out of getting the reaction. You got that it. engagement. Yeah. You got Shamelessly, the issue. Yeah, yeah, I'll admit it. Uh, look, uh, this is a kid that's been here and done that. He knows the system. You know, I think he's a guy, if he clears waivers, you'll be stoked to be able to add him to the practice squad. 26 games under his belt, yeah. right? That's nothing to sneeze at. Not in, at in all. The, uh, in the 2021 version of the NFL. And look, man, Dallin is a tremendous depth piece. Dallin, yeah. and look, I, I've been very open. I'm, I'm a fan of Dallin personally. I always root for Dallin. I always root for the undrafted guys. But he's a guy that has just done it the right way. You come in as a small, undersized safety from a small school, and you work your tail off to find a role. And he has become a core special teamer. You can throw him back there in, in the defense at, you know, in a pinch. We saw it last year a little bit. Yep. And look, is he the perfect football player? Absolutely not. I'm sure he would tell you he's not the perfect football player. But he's a guy that you, you need guys like Dallin Levitt on your roster to make you a better team. Agreed, 100%. They're the guys that kind of fill things out. And I think more so is a, just an example of a guy like Carl Joseph coming in. We got to see him for the first time in the game yesterday and, and he tore it up he had seven tackles he was flying all over the place he was jumping in there making some big hits and stuff like that he came away and actually made a four-point play saved a touchdown right before the half and forced him to kick the field goal so like I think 
the team saw exactly what they needed to see out of Carl Joseph to be like, hey, all right, cool. And then we saw flashes of Tyree Gillespie. There was a couple times he got tossed around. But there was another time where he went full beast mode, came down and destroyed the guy that was trying to block him, and then made a tackle for a loss. So, like, he's that guy that those two, I think, are the reason why you don't see, you know, down 11 on this team. And, again, like you said, that's big. I mean, look, Nate Hobbs showed out. Amik Robertson seems to kind of be coming into his own, playing inside and outside. So, like, the emergence of those guys – has made this DB room something you can kind of look to and be like, hey, this, this was a good offseason. And look, from the outside looking in, right, Mike Mayock and, and Gruden and those guys are going to have their own thoughts that they, you know, for good reason, aren't going to publicize with all of that. Yeah. But if you just look at this from the outside, four months ago, five months ago, you go, does Amik Robertson make this team again? Mm-hmm. Does Nate Hobbs really earn his way onto this onto this 53? And you'd have to say at this point, the answer is yes to both of those questions. And, and I think it just goes to show that the guys like us who like to talk about the team, right, and, and we like to have fun and, and prognosticate this and that, we don't know anything. Yeah. We don't know anything. <laughs> I mean, look, we, we like to think that we have an we can put ourselves in the Gruden and Mayock mindset, but at the end of the day, they have their system, they have their system of evaluation for how they're going to kind of grade these guys out, and they know oh so much better than you and I do. Yeah, look, I mean, these guys, one, they do it for real, so, yeah. like, you know, they kind of know things, <laughs> and also, they've been doing it longer than we've been alive, you know? <laughs> so, you know, these are guys that have been there and done that they know the business in and out and yeah you know we just like to talk about it yeah it's it's fun fun. to talk about i'm curious though which of the running backs did you take in the regus emmons duel yeah you know i think see what happens with richard yep i think and and we'll figure that out tomorrow as well get a little more clarity on that situation and that's the thing like you mentioned i think that is the most interesting thing about shaping up this roster is the the injuries and everything like that but i would give the nod to regus in this one to me he's a guy clearly gruden was really getting him involved yesterday as well targeted him, I think, either five or seven times out of the backfield. You know, that's a similar type role that they would use Richard for. The big thing is going to be, you know, how does the kid hold up in pass protection? But I think if it's between Emmons and Regis, it's Regis to me. And honestly, not that it's not even close, but it's like, to me, it's fairly obvious. You know, five targets for Trey Regis yesterday, nine mm-hmm. carries. So guy, a guy who was definitely yeah. involved in the offense. And I think, to your point, utilized in a way that you would on paper, utilize Jalen Richard. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that, as we said, we've said it a million times, we will find out a lot more about Jalen's status come tomorrow, and we and we see how all the designations play out. But hey, look, if you have Trey Regis as your essentially one-two third running back, and then mm-hmm. you have Alec Ingold in the mix, that's a nice little room coming into 2021. No doubt about that. Yeah, no, you can't argue against that at all. I mean, to be able to get a guy like that that's, that's shown out in camp and done well when he's been asked of it, runs hard, he's falling forward, he's not getting brushed back. He seems, for the most part, I haven't I haven't seen anything where I'm like, man, this guy has been getting knocked back in pass protection and stuff like that. Like he seems to have come in and held his own and, and kind of done his job. He's a quiet guy, came in and handled his business, and that's something. He's an undrafted guy too, right? He um, sure is. Yeah. So I mean, an undrafted guy coming and doing that, like that's awesome, man. To be able to get something like that, that doesn't just happen. Tight ends. How did the how did we shake out a tight end? This was another one I think is very very obvious yep. at least for us. You know Waller, Moreau, and Carrier. You know I don't think Carrier clears waivers. You and I. I remember at one point I think it was you and I were talking about Carrier, and I'm like, man, that guy makes someone else's team, and he's like actually a yeah. good tight end on that team, a good yeah. backup tight end. Well, here with the Raiders, he's your third tight end, and he's also a special teams ace. So like for me, I, I think that is a very 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 solid tight end room that. Few other teams around the league are, are going to be able to match. And, I think a lot of people would hope for that. And you would have to think that either Bushman, Ellis, or Bowers, one of those guys, is going is to claim weight, is going to yeah. go through waivers, and you can put them on the practice squad I'd on, say on so Wednesday. Too. But look, man, like you said, to to the point of just this being a quality tight end room, we I know we've talked about Darren a ton 
this past couple weeks and for good reason. But I think if you were going to buy, you know, buy stock on someone, buy it on Foster Moreau right now. Heck yeah. Because I think Foster is poised for a huge 2021. I think that Darren, for good reason, is getting a ton of attention and he is going to feast. He is going to eat. When you are one of the best tight ends, one of the best offensive skill position players in the NFL, you're going to get yours. But I think Foster has come in here this offseason. We have seen him day after day in training camp, just beast on fools. Yeah. And I think come week one, especially when you get in the red zone, and let us not forget that when Foster was a rookie, he absolutely ate in the red zone, just was famished when we got down to the goal line. <laughs> I think it's going to be the same thing for him in 2021. I really do. I couldn't agree more, man. I think and I was going to note that, that people, I think, forget what he did his rookie year before mm-hmm. he got hurt. You know, So that's that guy that, especially in those two tight end sets, three tight end sets, you know, I think when Gruden rolls him out there, it's going to be real easy to forget about that guy if you're a defense because, like, let's be honest about who else is out there. Darren Waller. Like, yeah. if I'm going to get beat, I'm going to let Foster Moreau beat me. You know, that, that just makes too much sense. So, like, he's a guy that I think is going to have some opportunity to really show, and he has been very impressive throughout camp. He looks like the Foster that we saw before he got hurt. He looks bigger. Exactly. Physically say, than the Foster a bigger, we saw. Better yeah. version of it. Yeah, and so that's the thing is I'm really excited to see this kid play. You know, and also after having a year to be able to learn behind a guy like Jason Witten. Thank you. Thank you. See, you you're, stealing, you're stealing my talking points. I got you, man. I'm but, reading the notes. Yes, you got to <laughs> read the notes. But, I mean, you talk about Witten. And the fact that Foster got to be in that same room with him for, what oh, was yeah. it, nine, ten months? I mean, you can't even put a number value on how valuable that is for him. Yeah. It's just impossible. I mean, Jason Wooden, one of the best guys to ever, legitimately ever do it at the position in the NFL. And he was kind of just like your dude next door. I mean, for Foster Moreau, invaluable. Absolutely invaluable. It's like, you know, learning quantum physics from the guy that wrote the book on it. Yeah. You know, whoever the heck that is. (laughs) You know, that's basically what he got to do. Was that an Einstein thing? Dude, I have no idea. I do sports. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I do sports and I suck at math and all those things. So (laughs) I'm not messing with any of that. But yeah, you know, like he, he literally got a front row seat to one, to see how the guy goes about his daily life off the field, how he is a pro and then his preparation getting here how he studies and then it's just a matter of like what are you looking for when you're out on the field and then he got to watch him actually do it and obviously Jason didn't have ridiculous numbers or anything like that but that's not why you bring him here at that point of the career you bring him here to get even more out of guys like Waller and Moreau and I think that's where we're going to see you know that signing come to fruition obviously a lot of people had a lot of fun with the money they gave him and everything Mm -hmm. like that well this is where it pays dividends because we get to see what this kid learned from him and and I think it'll be fun to at least you know Pretend it's week six, right? To Mm -hmm. extend this down a little bit to like late October. And to just see after a few games, after a month or so, how Foster is different. Because he's going to come into 2021. And the version of Foster that we've seen in camp is not the version we're going to see in the regular season. I think the version we see in the regular season come September 13th is going to be the bigger, badder, faster, even more dynamic version of what we see here on the practice field. So it'll be cool to like look at his season in totality, I guess, when everything's done and be like, Oh, I could see a little wit in there. Like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, okay, that's a, there's a little bit of win. Because physically, too, they're built similarly. Like, no disrespect to Foster. But Foster is not Darren Waller, athletically. No. He, yeah. is, he, is clo- he is closer to the school of Jason Witten than he is to Darren. And so it'll be interesting to kind of see how Witten teaches him to use his body a little bit more, to, to do this, to do that, especially down on the goal line. It's going to be a blast to see, man. I'm fired up. It is. Like, somebody have to do a cut-up, you know, the, the old cut-ups of Kobe yes, and MJ yes. and stuff like that. Like, I'd love to see something like that with, with Foster and Jason Witten, just to see how similar they're, you know, they're route running, the way they break things off and stuff like that. You know, the thing that always got me with Witten is, like, 
similar to a receiver, you don't really know what he's running. They all kind of look the same. You know, the way he comes off the line, he could be running a a seam route or he's going to break it off on an out or an option or something like that. Like, and I think that's something we're going to see from Foster a little bit more as well. Plus, uh, for those of you guys that saw on Twitter, his celebration game got kicked up a notch. Yes, as well. absolutely. Yeah. I think just hitting on Witten real quick before we before you hear from the, our pals at Pizza Hut, mm-hmm. I think that you look at Witten, and Witten was never the four three burner, no. right? But he was just one of those guys, and it's similar to Ren for a little bit, where he just found himself open. He makes himself available to the quarterback, and that's one thing that Derek has talked about a ton since he got here. He likes guys that can make themselves available. He uses the term quarterback friendly all mm-hmm. the time, and you talk about a guy that's quarterback friendly that made a career out of being quarterback friendly, that's Jason Witten in a nutshell, my friend. It really is, and that's that kind of like basketball, body him up, yeah. you know, out-rebound him type of guy. I mean, you sit there, you back there, you body the guys up, and you create room for yourself. And, like, Foster's a thick dude. I don't yeah. think people realize how big he is. Like, So that's the thing where he brings that different element. Like you said, he's not Waller, and that's a good thing because he complements and has things that Waller doesn't have. Yeah, 100%. And, look, we've had so much fun talking about the 53 and talking about what this is going to look like headed into week one, and we have more to discuss. We're going to talk, I think, at the, after the break, Jesse, kind of our themes, what we learned about this team over mm-hmm. the past called six weeks. But before we do that, Ray is giving me the signal. we got to toss a break and hear from our pals at Pizza Hut. The $10 tastemaker from Pizza Hut. Stuck in traffic? Just think of all the delicious meat and veggie combinations. Whoops, got a little distracted there. Large, up to three toppings, just 10 bucks. No one out pizzas the hut. Deal not available in some locations. Exclusions apply. And man, it has been such a fun, long journey through training camp over the past, what, five, six weeks, whatever it is, Jesse. But as we come to the end of the journey, the journey for now, let's just look back in totality about what we learned about this team over the past, for the sake of argument, six weeks. Mm -hmm. What do you know now? that you didn't know when we started this in late July. Well, the, the one big thing, I mean, obviously, we didn't know that Gerald McCoy was going to sign with this yep. team, but we know Gerald McCoy still has it, you know, I mean, with a capital IT. Like, I was very impressed with him. You know, the other thing we realized, I think, is, like, the D-line depth. Like, we knew it was going to be good, but I think it just kind of was solidified even more so. And also, like, the secondary, as we talked about in the beginning, guys like Amik and guys like Nate Hobbs, and even Damon Arnett, too. Like, there were a lot of question marks surrounding the defensive backfield. Gruden was very honest about it, and he said, I'm going to be watching him, and he multiple times brought it up unprompted. So, like, I think we learned a lot about that backfield because also think about it, too, Trayvon Merrick, okay, a guy that a lot of people, you know, thought should be a first-round pick, didn't quite know what you had in him. Well, he's a guy that didn't play yesterday. Clearly, they feel like they know what they've got in him. And then, again, the other guys I mentioned with Arnett and Hobbs and Amik, like, they all showed out and showed well. So I think you feel a lot better about the depth that you have in that group, you know, before this year because there were so many question marks there. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with you there. I think that when I look at what we learned over the past six weeks, I don't mean this in a bad way. I don't know if we learned a ton about this Raiders offense. I think that we were talking about Foster before the break. Like, I I think we learned a little bit about Foster in a positive way. Like, I think coming into this, I was like, all right, Foster needs to have a good year three. But I think when we look at his body of work, you're like, oh, this dude's going to have like a big dog year three. So I think we learned that. But outside of that, man, I, I really don't know if we learned too much about the offense. And as I said, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that for us, you know, you have a top 10 offense a year ago. And I think you just essentially brought it back. You're running it back, but with a few new pieces here and there. So offensively, 
eh, I feel good, right? I feel really good. But that hasn't changed over the past six weeks. I think what I've learned over the past six weeks, though, when you look at this defense, and we were talking about it a second ago, I think Javen White, obviously you got to figure out what his injury situation is. Yeah. That's a dude who can play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's an NFL football player. I don't think we knew that a year ago. I don't think we knew that coming into the start of training camp at the end of July. He's a player. He's a guy that I f- you think would probably figure into the plans. But I, I think that I also learned a lot about the Damon Arnett's and, yeah. and Meek Roberts' of the world, where... We talked to Damon, what, two, three weeks ago, and a very candid Damon Arnett. Yeah. And now, kind of getting that base of knowledge from hearing from him and then looking at what he did on the field, it's all starting to come together. You're like, okay, I can totally see how this is a dude that wasn't himself a year ago, physically, mentally, all that stuff. But now he comes in and he's ready to do his thing. So I think we've learned a lot about Damon. I think we've learned a lot about Amik in a similar, in a similar vein. And... We still have questions about this defense because you can look as great as you want in the preseason. I totally get that. But when you see Lamar Jackson coming, you know, full steam ahead at you in two weeks, two weeks from tonight, (laughs) I mean, it is a very different story. But I think we have learned a lot about this group as a whole. Yeah, no, I think we have. And the thing is, you were talking about those guys kind of just popping ahead like the young guys, like they didn't disappoint. You know, was, yeah. there, was there anyone in your mind, and I can't think of anybody that I'm like, wow, yeah, he was a disappointment. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say disappointment. I think that I wish we would have seen more of Divine Diablo. I yeah. think that's the one that comes to I mind. Obviously, I, I don't want to say it was a disappointment because, look, the health is the health, right? Yeah. You can't, you're not going to throw someone out there if they're not healthy, especially mm-hmm. a guy that you've invested a high draft pick in like Divine. I wish we would have seen a little bit more of Divine. You look at Alex Leatherwood, I think Alex Leatherwood comes in as advertised. We yeah. were talking to Lincoln Kennedy a few weeks ago, and he said, look, he is who we thought he was going to be. There are certainly things that need to get better over the course of a 17-game regular season, but by and large, we feel good about what he brings to the table. And if you're Derek Carr, we can dance all around saying, oh, Darren Waller's this, Josh Jacobs is that, yada, yada, yada. Kenyon Drake is going to do X, Y, and Z. This offense is going to go as far as Derek Carr takes it. Yeah. And if you're Derek Carr and you know you have a stud left tackle on the left and now you look, and you look to your right and you have a rookie that you trusted, a rookie you can believe in, that has got to help you sleep at night. Oh, man. I mean, just look at look at the preseason and Nate Peterman, how different he looked oh, when he had yeah. protection, you know, compared to when he didn't. I mean, it is a game changer because not only in like, yeah, okay, you see it, you have time, but in your head, like the clock that you have in your head, you know, like, all right, cool, I got, it. I got some time. I can go through my reads. I don't have to rush this stuff. So having that is big. The thing that we'll have to wait and see is Leatherwood, you know, in live action, pass protecting. Yep. That's really what it's going to come down and, to. And that's what Lincoln said the same thing as well. He goes, look, he is going to be a beast in the run game. Yeah. There are no questions about what he can be if you need him to be a mauler in the run game. Exactly. But as he said, and look, it, there's a learning curve for any rookie. That's just, yeah. that's the nature of the beast. But he's going to, it's going, he's going to take his lumps and it's not going to be perfect. There is no one here who thinks it's going to be perfect. But if he can take those lumps and he can learn from those, that's where I think this really gets exciting. And I think another guy that we learned a little bit about is, is Trey Regis. Trey Regis and BJ Emmons, both NFL players, I think. Yeah. Guys that didn't necessarily pop on our, uh, on our list a month ago, six weeks ago, but guys that I think have a spot in this, uh, on this team and in this league. Yeah, guys that show they belong, and that's, that's what you love to see. Because, you know, we always talk about it every, every year. There's, there's always that one undrafted guy that makes a team or one undrafted guy that makes, you know, some sort of showing where you're like, wow, this kid does have it. I think I agree with you, Regis. To me, looks like an NFL player. Emmons looks kind of like a fringe NFL player to me. Fair I mean, enough. He showed it in flashes. You know, I would like to see the biggest thing like in all of this is like, okay, this was preseason. Like, I want to see these dudes in the NFL against guys that are full-time NFL players on the 53-man roster. Like, that's where we're really going to get an idea of like, okay, are these guys actually for real? But I think if you're a Raiders fan, you know, from people that have been here and seen it in practice and, and have been around the NFL for a while, like, 
I think you can be pretty confident about the team that you have and, and guys being ready. And, and especially like Nate Hobbs, I saw someone on Twitter was saying, you're like, oh yeah, he well, he did it in the preseason. It's a little different when you got the Ravens and Lamar and Ben Roethlisberger that you're going up against. 100% agree with that. But the instincts that that kid showed, the confidence that he showed, and it was early on in the game when it wasn't like third and fourth string guys that are like not going to make the team or ever see the field or ever even possibly play in the NFL. Like he did it against good competition. And look, at the end of the day, football is football. Yeah. Right. So if you can do it, you know, I think we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago where it's like, OK, you can do it against these second string guys. You can do it against these third string guys. That's fantastic. We learned something today. Yeah. Can you do it against the starters? Exactly. Can you do it against the creme de la creme? And Nate Hobbs is another guy. It is not going to be perfect. He is a rookie defensive back in the NFL. And you know this, being DB in the, in the NFL is a position of failure. You yeah. are not set up to succeed. So it is not going to be perfect 100% of the time. But as long as he learns from those experiences as he grows, he could be a critical piece to this defense for hopefully the entire 17 games, but really into 2022 and beyond as well. Yeah, he could. That's the thing is like when a DB gets beat, everyone knows it because you're that last line of defense. And if someone goes deep on you, like, hey, man, the whole world knows you just got torched. But the thing that sticks out to me about Nate Hobbs is Derek Carr mentioned the confidence that he has. Even when he has gotten beat in practice and things like that, he's still coming back talking. And it's not like in a cocky way. It's like, nah, like I got this. I'm going to respond. And that's what you need. Like you need that short memory as a DB, even as a receiver. Like you're going to drop the touchdown pass from time to time. Like you've got to move on and forget about that. And so the maturity level that that kid has shown I think is going to take him to the next level. And also, too, like the preparation. You know, that's the thing you mm -hmm. hear about everyone. You know, the background that he's got with Lovey Smith at, at Illinois and everything like Huge that. Huge win for them over the weekend, by the way. Yeah, Illinois, that was big yeah. over uh, Wisconsin. Uh, right? Oregon legend Scott Frost. <laughs> uh, boy, oh, boy. But yeah, your boy. Going back to Nate Hobbs, where, I mean, DB confidence is a very real thing. Like, yeah. it's, it's something that I, I love to kind of poke fun at sometimes because I wish that I could walk into a room like a defensive back and be like, <laughs> yeah, dude, I, the guy who I lined up against went nine catches for 210, but I'm here. I'm yep. just not going to get the next one. But I, I think that when you look at Nate, and we talked about a second ago, it's going to be his response to those moments. And everything that we have seen over over the past six weeks leads us to believe that when those moments come, he's going to be able to shake it off. He's going to be able to, you know, tap himself in the head. Let's go get the next one. And that's what you need. And I think, honestly, that is what this defense, this secondary has lacked for a little bit. And I think Trayvon Mullen is a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. Trayvon is about as cool, calm, and collected as they come. And Trayvon, and it's incredible that we haven't even really talked about Trayvon a lot. Not at all. Which is fantastic. And I think that's just kind of more, it falls in line with who he is, right? Mm -hmm. He's going to be your number one corner. He's going to be a dude that doesn't run his mouth a lot. But he's going to be solid for 17 games. And I think that if everything goes to plan, I think Trayvon is going to make a lot of noise. And at the end of the year, you're looking back and you're, when you're going through the AFC West, the top DBs, I think Trayvon has a chance to be right up there with, with those one or two guys. No, I'd agree. And, and it is crazy. Like, I didn't think about it until you said that. Like, we have, I don't even know if we've mentioned his name more than maybe like two or three times on the pod. And, and that's great. That's no knock on like, oh, he hasn't been good. Like, it's because the dude has just come in and done like what's yeah. expected of him, you yeah. know? And he was, to me... He wasn't a question mark at all. Maybe no. to people on the outside, but like from a guy who watched all of last year, watched the games multiple times, I know you did as well. Like that kid I knew was going to be solid. So like to have him continue to come in and do that has been great. You talk about confidence. Okay, what did Amik talk about yesterday? He's got his confidence back. back. Exactly. The what swagger's did back. What Jamie Barnett talk to us about? His confidence is back. And then you got the confidence in a guy like Nate Hobbs. Like, that is massive just simply that they have it back because you need that. Like you said, you get torched for nine and mm -hmm. a couple of TDs. They walk in like, they're, you know what, doesn't stink. Like, yeah. they're the man. And that's the thing is you need that on this team. You need those type of dogs back there. And the Raiders 100% have it in spades in that group. And I think that we need to give a little bit of love to Ron Miles here. Yeah. Because Ron Miles has essentially, from everything that we've seen, 
has really kind of rebirthed these guys emotionally, psyche-wise, where, look, Amik said it, Damon said it. We're like, look, last year, and for obvious reasons, our confidence was not where we wanted it to be. There's moments of doubt, which I think is natural. Throw in the fact that these young dudes are going through the ringer just as human beings in, in the yeah. blank storm that was 2020. But give Ron Miles credit for building these guys up. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not it's not something that you can, you're going to see on a stat sheet. It's not, I mean, I wish, um, do they have a confidence rating in Madden? Either of you guys yeah, that play? No, I'm not, I used to be a gamer, but not anymore. Ray, what do you got? Do they have a confidence rating? Races, races uh. they used to, but no moss. But I, I wish that you could you could see that because mm-hmm. I think that, and we talked about Damon a lot, but you see the way that Damon walks around. Yeah. You see the way that Amik walks around. I mean, these are different dudes than they were 12 months ago, and Ron Miles deserves a ton of credit in that regard. Agreed. And the thing that sticks out to me is, you know, when we spoke to Miles, he said, you know, his coaching philosophy, and I was 100% on board with it. He said, it ain't prison, but it ain't a country club. And I'm like, that's perfect. Like, that's, I think, what this young group needs because they need that tough love at times. But I think he's also been able to be like, hey, no, no, look, like, at the same time, like, we're here for you. We're, we're building you up. And Gruden even, you know, gave a little bit of a hat tip to Miles yesterday in the postgame press conference talking about that he thinks he's a big reason for the success of guys like Arnett and uh, Hobbs and Amik, you know. So that's big. That's why they brought him here. Like, he's a very well-respected dude. He was one of those guys that, you know, people within coaching circles were nodding their head like, man, the Raiders got a good one. So I think it's going to pay dividends, and that's going to be a big reason why this DB room could be very successful this year. A dude in Ron Miles that's committed his professional life to building up DBs, right? And you know who we haven't even talked about today? Casey Hayward. Haven't even talked about Casey Hayward. I mean, you look at this defense, and rebuilt is the term that we started the the preseason, or it's not the preseason training camp with. This is a rebuilt defense. And, man, we we come to the end of this journey, this chapter of the calendar, and let's see what this rebuilt defense can do, man. I'm I'm really excited to see what what they can bring to the table. But as we said... It's one thing to do it now. It's one thing to do it on August 30th, but September 13th is the day that we have to have all circled on the calendar. Is the day that's been circled on the calendar for about eight months. And, dude, I cannot wait. We are so close. We are, man. I can't wait for it and agree with you, man. Like, we saw what they did in the preseason. I think they checked off a lot of the boxes, a lot of the questions that they had. And this is where we've got answers, but we get the real answers in a couple weeks as the season starts. And even then... Let's all kind of take a deep breath for the first, what, like three games of the season until we really see what this team is. We're going to learn a lot from now until three, four weeks into the season, and then we'll really start to see what this team is. But they got some good tests right out of the gates, and I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to see how the team comes out. Like One guy, again, we talk about him all the time, but like Nate Hobbs, I cannot wait to see him in a real game to see those instincts take over and see what he can do against top talent. It is going to be a blast, man. I cannot wait. Well, Jesse, I appreciate you, man. You've been such a good soldier, good sport with us coming in, recording this show with us. We've had a ton of fun. Ray and I have had a blast doing this. I know everyone in the department really thanks you and appreciates your time for coming in. And as I said, man, this is not the last time. We are going to keep bugging you. You are going to still remain in the mix. I will find on my, I promise you, I will find some way to keep you in the mix for the rest of the regular season. But dude, this was a blast. And so from all of us here, thank you, thank you, thank you. This was so much fun. And uh, and we're going to see you soon. I promise you that. Yeah, no, I had a great time. I appreciate you guys bringing me on. Hopefully Raider Nation feels the same way. Yeah. And it's, it's not goodbye. It's see you later. Yes, you know, I'll see you guys on the other it's, side. Uh, it's probably about see you in 72 hours. Yeah. So, Randy Pascal, Jesse Merrick, my man Ray on the ones and twos, Alexandra, who is downstairs today because this is our final our final swan song swan song I should say on this beautiful balcony and everyone else in the department we thank you for hanging out with us this was a blast the training camp podcast I think Ray can I get a thumbs up or a thumbs down Ray says it was a thumbs up and as long as Ray's happy I am happy so we are gonna we are gone for now but we will return 
another summer from now <laughs> in uh, what? What do you think, Ray? Late July of 2022. We'll be older, wiser, a few more grays and raised beard, but I cannot wait <laughs> to do it again. So from the bottom of our heart here, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we will see you guys very, very soon for another edition at some point of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast presented by Pizza Hut. To stay up to date on all the latest with the silver and black, download our mobile app and subscribe to the Raiders Podcast Network. 